0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Level Ground Podcast. I'm your host, Grayson Seegers. It is great to be back with you again on this Thursday. We hope that you're doing well, and we're glad that you're back with us. And if you're coming in for the first time, we're glad that you've tuned in. Um, We hope that you enjoyed last week's episode, and if you haven't listened to it, uh, we encourage you to do so, especially if you've ever struggled with uh, any kind of anxiety or anything along those lines. We had a talk and a discussion with our dear friend Jonathan Martin, and uh, he was the first special guest. And that we were trying to figure things out there, but uh, also we just got to sit down and have a good time uh, talking about the Lord and the things He had done for us and the things He showed us. And we hope that you enjoyed it as well. Uh, don't forget uh, before we go any further. Don't forget find us on Facebook. Level Ground podcast. Find us on uh Instagram levelground.22. By now we have started to post at least a little something, a little teaser or something a uh, day before to let you know what's coming. Um and find us on Instagram, find us on Facebook. Reach out to us. I, we really want to hear from you guys. Um no matter where you're listening from, uh, even if you just want to say, hey, I appreciate the podcast, or you say, hey, I'm listening from from this place, or I'm listening from that place, or uh, maybe you want to ask us a question that maybe we can cover in another episode, um, whatever the case may be, um, we want to hear from you. So email us at levelgroundpod22 at com. Or find us. Uh, send us a DM on Instagram. Send us a message on Facebook Messenger. We're working on some other things, getting some other things going right now. Going to try to get the podcast on some other platforms here before too much longer, um, and then hopefully that will will broaden the spectrum. And maybe some folks that haven't listened to it up till now will be able to listen to it, uh, maybe a little bit more, um, in another way, in another capacity. But anyways, enough of my rambling. Uh, I know that. Uh, many of you probably get tired of, of this part, but you probably looked at the title of this episode and thought that I was crazy, um, and we called it Autobots Rollout for a reason, and anybody that knows where that saying comes from can probably think where this episode's going to go, but if you have no clue, we're going to go ahead and get into it. Um, when I was growing up when I was little, one of my favorite toys that I had and and uh, one of my favorite um, things to play with were my transformers and what transformers were was a franchise that began in 1984 uh, with a toy line and uh, they took and they bought um, toys and bought the uh, bought the brand from China and Japan out in that that area and they made these toys and uh, these toy robots were, uh, uh would transform into vehicles and planes and boats and ships and even animals. Um, then later they released TV shows, movies, and comic books, and, uh, they would talk about the stories of these characters. And, uh, now, uh, you can think of this, there is some good and evil in there, and, and it's the constant battle of, of good and evil and the Autobots versus the Decepticons and, um, and as a child and as a little boy, I remember watching the movies, watching the TV show, watching uh, all of these things, looking at the comic books and, and this, that, and the other. And and I loved it. And everybody that knows anything about Transformers, they always said that Autobots roll out and and then they'd go and they'd fight and they'd do what they needed to do uh, to for the calls or for the good calls that they were working towards. And um, I can't help when I'm thinking about the subject we're going to talk today about to think about those. And this sounds odd that I'm sitting here talking to you about a toy that I had in my childhood, but I, I want us to look at this. Now there, like we said before, there was they were they were battling against it was a battle of good versus evil. And then you can look at, at really in the storyline and you can find very interesting things in it that that we're going to Try to tie in uh, today. Now I promise you, I'm not talking today on this podcast episode about that. But we're just, we're, this is our segue into everything we're talking about. Each one of the characters had the ability to change and to be changed into something. It was there. It was ingrained in them. It was set in them. They could not change it, and then they could be changed into something completely different. So, for an example. Um, one person uh, or one one of the transformers could have been. Uh, we'll take Optimus Prime, the the big dog, the leader of the good guys. You take Optimus Prime, and and he could have been a, a tractor trailer. He could have been a big truck, and to everybody else, at one point in time, he just looked like that truck. But then he could shift, and a, a, at the snap of a finger, and he could transform into something completely different and something that was able to fight uh, uh, that fight that they were in. And even though he had transformed into this robot, they was still a remnant of what he was before there. He still looked, even though he was changed, there was still a, on the outside, and what you looked at, you could still see bits and pieces of that original. That's what made... We'll you, just think about Optimus Prime. That's what made Optimus Prime unique was that even though he changed from the truck into uh, the robot at that time, you could still see reflections and still see colors and still see parts from his original form. And it made each one of the characters truly unique. And, and I, I know that this seems terribly far-fetched. Um, to some of you right now, and and we are going to go ahead and 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 tell you that we even when we were thinking about it and kind of uh, working on getting this episode together, kind of thought just a little bit that it was it was far fetched as well. But as we got to sitting there, honestly, we're not that much different. And you're gonna say, "Well, Grayson says we're a transformer." No, but also I could say yes because we should. And if you haven't guessed by now, what we're going to be talking about today is a transformation, and the two types of transformations that happen in a Christian's life, and one type where that God performs and another type that we perform for ourselves. Now, I want us to look at the word transformed. The, the word transformed in Greek is metamorpho, and that's where we get our word for metamorphosis and um And uh, all of these, uh, or every time that we're referring to how the caterpillar turns into a butterfly, that word that we use, metamorphosis, comes from this Greek word, metamorpho. And that word means to change into another form. Now, we know, and if you don't know, we're going to talk about it. And I just want to stop right here and say this, I'm thankful if you don't, and, and you may not believe exactly like I do, you may not have the exact same feelings on, on things that I do, but I assure you of this, that God, when he created the world, he wrought such a work in the world and put everything so perfectly together that we can see reflections of him in the world around us. And this is one of those times that we can see a reflection of God and in, into God's handiwork. Now, I want us to look at metamorphosis. Now, metamorphosis, we know, is to change into any form or shape, meaning the changing of one, uh, one organism into another form, typically soon after birth. The changes are rapid, and the results are acute. Now, without going too deep in it, there are four Different types, to break it down, uh, maybe really in-depth, and you can get really in-depth what metamorphosis is, but really, we don't want to go that deep. We want to go a little broader, if you'd have it, with, with the definition of metamorphosis. Now, metamorphosis, there are two types. There is a complete metamorphosis, where you've changed completely from the beginning, and you don't look and you know and from the beginning from point A to point B you're totally different from the end game and then there's incomplete metamorphosis where you're not totally changed but it's just a little different and so you can think and and each of these differs but you know one may be the cocoon of a caterpillar and how a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, and then the other is just the molting of a grasshopper, and how the caterpillar completely transforms into the butterfly, and it looks totally different, but then you have a grasshopper that's there, and that grasshopper just molts its skin, grows new, and that's a type of metamorphosis, and is what some people refer to as incomplete metamorphosis. And we don't want to bore you with with biology, but it's very interesting how that these things can happen. You can take and you've got one changes completely and you've got another that it molts and it goes through a changing process, but it's just slightly different than the other. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the two processes and how one's slightly different than the other, but we're going to start and, and if you want to read with us, you can. If, Uh, If you don't and you just want to listen, that's fine too. Luke 18, verses 35 through 43. It says, And it came to pass that as he was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him, that he should not hold his peace. But he cried, So much the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And he stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy faith hath saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. Now that's the 35th through the 43rd verse of Luke chapter number 18. Now I want us to notice some things about this scripture here that we've read to you. Now, number one, we have found a blind man that had an ailment from his birth. And then we find the man who could fix it, the man who could help it. Named Jesus Christ. And this man had this ailment. And he had lived this way his whole life being blind. I'm sure all of his friends uh, uh, knew of him. And knew that he was blind. There were no doubt about that. And even people in the town that didn't know him personally or seen him around. And they knew this man was blind. And he, uh, and he wouldn't change. They would never expect him to change it. And... I want us to think about this. Even the situation that he was in, his blindness caused him not to be able, I'm sure, to work, not to do things for his family, not to gather his own food, all of these manner of things. He could do the best that he could, but he couldn't do it like everybody else could. There was something different. Something changed about him, and he wanted something fixed. But he knew by faith in Jesus Christ that that ailment would be healed. And because he had faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus healed him of that ailment. The Bible said he cried out, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And then when he had cried out unto God and uh, cried out unto Jesus and had gotten Jesus' attention, if you'd have it that way, because and you might be saying right now, well, why Jesus already knew, and he did. Jesus already knew. But it took some action from the blind man's part. Had there never been any action on the side of the blind man, then he would have never been healed. But also, it proved to him that he believed in him. It proved to Jesus Christ that he believed in him. And so then Jesus came and said that, Thy faith hath saved thee. Now, that word saved right there means to save a suffering one. So he was suffering from this ailment, and he was saved, and he was brought out of that and redeemed out of that, if you have it that way. Now, I want us to notice some things about this blind man. After Jesus had healed the ailment, He was still the same man. He he was still the same person, and even though he was his blindness was healed, he still had the same identity. Now I want us to go ahead before we go any further and say this: that when you meet Jesus, when God—I'll say it this way: when God created you, when you were formed in your mother's womb. And you began to develop through that pregnancy up until the time of birth. You have created, You have gained your own features. And there were things about you that, that began to grow and to mature. And as you grew up through the years, as you began to get older, you developed, and even as a child, you developed your own identity and your own personality. And then as you get older... You begin to mature, and then eventually you, you have a mature uh, maturity about you, but you also have the same personality. I, there's not a one of us that's going to have a change of personality, a change of uniqueness. Some of us are just going to be the way we are, and that's never going to change. And that's not to justify some things as far as sin and, and those things, but I'm talking about us as as people Each one of us is different, each one of us us is unique, and each one of us has our own identity. In the United States, when you're born, you're issued a card, and this card has a number on it, and this number is your number. It's what, I guess you could say it this way, it's what number citizen you are. You're issued what they call a social security number, and that number is proof to people To certain entities when you go to put in hey this is me this is my real identity and my social security number now has stayed the same all through my life and just because I may cut my hair just because I may trim my beard just because I may gain weight or lose weight just because as I was growing up I had gotten taller or had uh, or had matured, that didn't mean that every time something changed about me, that I changed that social security number. And that's the same thing we're trying to say here, that when you meet the Lord Jesus Christ, and you believe on Him, and you have faith in Him, you will always be the same person. When God saved me, I was just as much Grayson before he saved me as I was after he saved me. There was an identity. There was a uniqueness there, and there was a purpose God placed in my life. And the difference between Grayson before he was saved and Grayson after he was saved was that the Grayson before he was saved had a death sentence, and the Grayson after he was saved was forgiven and had the Holy Spirit placed inside of him. And it changed maybe my spirit, it maybe changed uh, the inside of me, and you that are saved know what I'm talking about, but it did not change my personality. It did not change my identity. I was just as much Grace and Seekers after the fact as I was before. Now, I'm not going to ramble on that too much longer, but I want you just to see that that this blind man, he still had the same identity. When he come back and he went back home and began to tell his family and was praising God for what God had done, he was still the same blind man, or, or I'll say it this way, he was still the same man that was blind, he still had that same identity, but there was a major change that took place in him, and people could notice it, and people could see the change, and people could see that something had happened to him. Now, before we get really in deep of of what the transformations are, we're going to go back to this verse, and I'm, I'm pretty sure we've read this on the podcast before, but it's imperative that we do this because this verse right here to me kind of settles some things and really lays the groundwork on why these things need to happen. And I want to make sure that every time I'm talking about the Lord doing something in our life, Or every time that I mention that we need the Lord, I want to make sure that we get this nailed down because I don't know who's here who might be listening to this and hearing the Bible for the first time. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Now remember how we mentioned earlier, to save a suffering one. Neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. And we can see in this scripture, number one, that we're separated from God spiritually. There's nothing we could do about it. There's nothing we could do to change it. We were dead in trespasses and sin. And we remember this if you've listened to uh the few A few episodes ago when we talked about justification and reconciliation and and talked about these things, you remember what we talked about then. But I want to say this. In order to have life and have it more abundantly, to have joy unspeakable and full of glory, we must be quickened and made alive. We must be ta- uh, taken from our depraved state, in our separated state, and moved and changed into something else. And if we don't get out of that singular place, if the blind man had never called out unto God or unto Jesus Christ, chances were, if he hadn't taken the action on his part, chances were that he would have remained blind. But when he called out, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And when he thought that Jesus would pass him by, he cried that uh, so much the more, even louder. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. He was crying out to God, saying, Lord, I have a need. Would you touch me? And that's what we've got to realize in our own lives is that we've got to be that way. We've got to be willing to cry out unto God. And if we feel like he's not listening, cry out so much the more. If you feel like God's not listening to you in your prayers, and you feel like every time you pray, you don't get it nowhere. It doesn't make it nowhere. It doesn't make it no higher than the ceiling. But you know that he's there and listening. My advice to you, and I encourage you to do like this blind man, cry so much the more. Cry even more. Beg God even more. And if you're in the right place and the right heart calling out unto God, He will hear you and He will come to you. Now I want us to look. Now when we talked about the ministry of reconciliation, we mentioned verses 18 and 19 right here in the book of Second Corinthians chapter number 5. But here's the few verses before that. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, in the 16th verse, it says, Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth we know him no more. And in the 17th verse, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, here's where we get into the two transformations That a child of God goes through. The first one is a transformation from Christ, by Christ, imparted toward the sinner, imparted toward you and I. When me and you were lost in sin and shame and we were separated from God, like we mentioned earlier, when God saved us and we were born again, He imparted a transformation in us. And it was an inward transformation. And that inward transformation was none other than reconciliation. And how he drawed us back. Now I'm going to say this, that that transformation that Christ does to you when he saves you happens once, only one time, and it'll never happen again. And in order to be transformed, we talked about salvation and how, how you... Uh, how you are saved and how you get saved. And in order to be saved, it takes action on our part, just like the blind man. In order to have this first transformation, you can't have the first transformation without the second. I'll go ahead and say that. But this first transformation that has taken place in us could not have happened unless we had called on the name of Jesus Christ and had believed in Jesus Christ and had put action in it if we had sat there quiet then nothing would have happened i'm reminded and i'm thinking even right now and I, and i just thought about this when i was saved i hit the altar and i was praying and i was by myself and wouldn't nobody talking to me and the bible says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling and i believe that It doesn't take a man for somebody to be saved. Now sometimes preachers or other people or men, women, whoever they are can help. It can help get you in the right frame of mind but they cannot save you. But for me personally I was there by myself and I was crying and crying and God you can take this. God you can take that. God you can have this. God you can have that. And what it turned into Was me crying unto God, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And I had prayed all that I knew how to pray, and I remembered my mama's testimony where she said, God, if you don't save me, I'll just die and I'll go to hell. And I was like, Well, I've prayed everything else, I'll just pray this. And I was like that blind man when I thought that God wasn't listening. I cried so much the more. And then I began to beg God and I said these words. God, if you don't save me, I'm just going to die and I'm going to go to hell. Because I believed without him, that's where I would go. And I knew the only way to escape these things and escape condemnation was through Jesus Christ, And I was believing on him. But what I had to do was I had to admit the place that I was in. Had the blind man never admitted that he was blind, he never would have been healed of his blindness. He could have said, "Thou son of David, have mercy on me, and he's sitting there blind, and he could have looked, and and this is going to sound funny when I say it, but he could have looked and said, well, I'm balding on top. I want you to make my hair grow. And if he'd have had faith, God would have, Jesus would have made his hair grow. But his ailment was his blindness. Just like with us, our ailment is a sin sickness. And we need to be transformed from that. Now, here's where it comes in with what we mentioned a few minutes ago about this blind man. When you are saved, when you are transformed by God, your identity in the flesh is not changed. You're the same person. You might figuratively be a new person, but you are still realistically, naturally the same person. You're not given a new identity. you're not uh, you're not completely changed on the outside. You're going to be the same height. You're going to be the same weight. You're going to have the same color hair. You're going to have the same color eyes. Your voice is going to sound the same. Uh, Your hobbies, um, if you like to fish before you're saved, you're still going to like to fish after you're saved. But what salvation is isn't a changing of the outward identity, but it's a changing of the inward man, a transformation of the inward man, of the soul. And the soul is made new and made alive by the holy ghost and then you're given an indwelling of the spirit as we mentioned earlier now we talked about the transformers and how they all had a unique identity and and they had to be transformed they couldn't fight as a as a boat as a plane as a truck They had to be transformed into something so they could fight. And that's just like us. We can't fight the good fight of faith unless we are changed inwardly from what we were to begin with. Our sin-sick condition and the place we're in, we are in no shape to fight the good fight of faith. We're no place to fight against, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against... uh, rulers of wickedness in high places. And you look at this thing and you realize that if you're of the world and your soul and your heart is still of the world, then you're not going to be able to fight. But when you're changed and a transformation takes place in you and you're pulled out of where you were, transformed, changed into something new, then you can fight. You can join in the fight. You can suit up with the armor of God, and that'll be an episode for another time. But you can suit up with the armor of God and do exactly what all these other Christians have been doing for years, fighting, trying to win souls to the Lord. And you can do that as well. Now let's jump on into this a little bit further. Romans 8. Says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And that's the sixth and eighth verse of Romans chapter 8. And in Romans chapter 12 it says, And be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I want us to talk about the second transformation. The second transformation is a transformation of the mind. And this transformation of the mind is done by the individual. You have to make a choice. Prime example, there's been times I've sat in church and I've been in a place where I may not have been getting anything. And that was because I was in the wrong frame of mind. And I had to pray and I had to meditate and I had to work in myself that my mind might be renewed. That I wouldn't be conformed and just like the rest of the world, but I would be transformed into something different into something that could prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I had to be changed from that mentally. I was saved. I was born again. I was brought back to God. But we read to you that our flesh is an enemy of God's. It's uh, To be carnally minded even is death. And if you're sitting here and you're thinking of the world and you're thinking of things in the world and you're living in the flesh and and you're doing all these things you're, you're sinning and you're committing sins whatever that may be and and all of these things you're not going to be able to serve God like you need to it'd be just like me going into battle in real life going to fight and I've not put on armor it'd be like me going into battle and me going into fight and I've not eating food. And I'll even say this, that sometimes the transformation of the mind and the renewing of the mind, sometimes the only way that we get that is not by running around and doing things for the Lord all the time. By all means, I think you ought to be about the Father's business every day if you can. But there are times where sometimes for our mind to be renewed we have to rest in the Lord. We have to sit back and to talk to God and to read His Word and to rest with Him and not get so consumed with the going and the doing that we forget the one that we're going and doing for. And I'll say this, that this transformation is, of the renewing of the mind that helps us not to be conformed to the world. It happens daily. Every day I have to make a conscious effort, and I don't do it every day. Every day I have to make a conscious effort to be different, to have my mindset be different, to have my mindset not set on things of the world but set on God so that I could do what he's asked of me to do. That's not to... That's not to say that I don't think about anything in life. That's not to say that that I don't think about things I enjoy and talk about things I enjoy. But I have to have my mind in the place where it can meditate on the things of God. And that transformation that Christ does for us, the transformation of the heart, that happens once. It doesn't have to happen again. You never change back to what you were before. But the Bible says that you can get so far away from God and so far out in the world if you'd have it this way that you could forget that you were ever purged, which means cleansed, from your old sins. What does the forgetting, the mind does? If I I forget something, it's not because my heart's forgot it. It's not because my thumbs forgot it. It's not because my legs forgot it. It's because my mind has forgotten it. Something has slipped my mind. Something, my train of thought has left. And all that takes place in the mind. And now we see the importance of both. How that we need that first transformation, but we also need the second transformation. We need to be like Paul and crucify the flesh daily to lay down the flesh and the carnal mind because it is an enemy of God. And I really want us to see this and to grab hold of this and I want you to realize that you want things to change in your ministries. You want things to change when you're witnessing. You want things to change and you want to see more fruit. Whether it's at your church, whether it's um, your own personal ministry, whether it's um, witnessing to your friends and family, whatever you may try to do for God, you want things to change and to really start producing fruit, you'll renew your mind. That is the first step into doing anything for the Lord. That's why when a preacher will preach, a lot of times the preacher before he even begins to speak on the message that God has given him, before he even begins to preach the message God has given him, he will pray or he will call on somebody to pray. Or he sits on the pew there at the beginning of service and bows his head and prays there on the pew because he wants that mind renewed. Because when that mind is renewed and it is set on spiritual things and not carnal things then you can work for God you can do his perfect and holy will now here's a little bit of a side note um and we're going to try to to not get in this too too deep but i want you to remember and I've noticed this and this is me and and if you disagree with me then I'm sorry we can agree to disagree. But there are a lot of people out there that that when they get saved they take becoming a new creature to a whole nother level. They are almost not human anymore but robots. They have no life outside of, stu- and I want to be careful how I say this. They have no life outside of studying the Word of God and praying, and and you you can't talk to somebody. I, you could say, well, what's the gas prices like? And those people say, well, I don't know, and and begin to talk about the bible somehow in gas prices and and those each one of them have their place and and please 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 don't take this the wrong way but what i'm afraid happens sometimes is some of us live so rotten before we were saved and they gotten into so many things and we hear that about God transforming us. Now, God will replace those desires. God will change your desires. He's done it to me before. When you have desires of the flesh, God can get rid of those desires and replace them with a holy desire, replace them with something different, replace them with even a better desire. But we need, we need to be careful that when we're saved, we don't take the transformation into our own hands. We don't become... Somebody completely different. We become almost not human. And I guess that's what I'm trying to say. There there are a lot of people out there that when they're saved, they feel like that they should become unhuman. Become almost an alien of sorts compared to everybody else. Now, yes, we're a new creature inwardly. But not outwardly. We're still human. We're still flesh and blood. We ought to live our life different. We ought to try to be different. We ought to try to have our mind renewed, but we've got to realize that that same individuality that we talked about earlier, that same mentality that we talked about earlier, that same uh, the same things that define us as a human being are still there after we got saved. And we shouldn't change who we are. Or right, I'll say it this way. God's not going to change who we are. God's not changing our individuality. But God will change the desires from desires of the flesh, lust of the flesh, into other things. And I hope we didn't talk ourselves into weeds right there. And if we did, reach out to us and we'll help talk through it a little more. But I just want to say this. Don't be afraid to be you. God made you the way you are for a reason. If you like to talk and that's the way God made you, then you try your best to talk and be personable to people because sometimes being personable leads people to Christ. If you like to, if you like to read and that's that's your thing and you like to read all manner of books, God can show you things in other books. Because he didn't change your name. He didn't change your personage, personage, if you'd say it that way. He left you with that individuality. And he wants you to enjoy these things. And I want us to be careful to not get to the point that the world sees us as unhuman. The world sees us as Quite frankly, I'll say it this way, the world sees us as crazy weirdos and and cultists. That's not saying we should live like the world because we shouldn't. But we also should be approachable to the world. If they see us and see us smiling and see us happy because we've had a transformation take place inside of us and a transformation by the renewing of our mind and we're walking around with a smile on our face, knowing that God is good, they ought to see us, and they ought to want to walk up and talk to us, and say, how are you so happy? Why why does it seem like in life that you just roll with the punches so easily? They ought to be able to approach us, so that then the door is open, and we can witness to them. Now, we've spent a little bit longer on that than than we intended to. But I want us to think about this before we get all the way on into that, into the next part. I want us to think about this. God loved us enough to create us, then to forgive us, and then to change our sinful ways. But he also loved his creation enough that he left us our individuality and our uniqueness as a testimony to how wonderful He is. You look at a strand of DNA, and there's millions upon millions upon millions of, of bits of information that are in each human being as a testimony to how great God is and how great His masterpiece is. And that's why He left it there, was for me and you. Now, let's look on at this. Now, we've talked about these different things and the changes in the processes and and the transformations that we go, to, go through. But I want us to look first at a grasshopper. This grasshopper has to eat and to grow. And then after he eats and grows, he molts and becomes bigger and becomes more of an adult. And that's the same thing in our Christian life. If you want to mature spiritually, the first thing you'll do is start trying to renew your mind and allowing God to renew your mind and, and working through that and asking God to help you renew your mind. And 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 you get in there and you work and you eat and you, and you do for God and you renew that mind and keep renewing it over and over and over and over and over again. And eventually you'll be just like that grasshopper going through what they call an incomplete metamorphosis but going through that and the molting of his skin, and you go, and there'll be there'll be times you'll have growing pains spiritually. There'll be times that you'll have growing pains. But you eat and eat and eat and eat and eat spiritually, and you renew your mind, and you renew your mind that you begin to grow, and you grow, and you grow, and you grow. And, you grow. and with God, I can assure you of this, you will never grow too much. What does that mean? That means as long as you are alive, there is growing that you can do. You can grow in grace. You can grow in the love of God. You can grow uh, in your ministry. You can grow in your discernment. You can grow uh, in your study. You can grow in all manner of things that concern the church, that concern God, that concern our walk with the Lord. and all of these things, in each aspect of it, you can grow and you can begin to grow more. Now, I want us to look at this, and this is my favorite part, and this is going to be uh, maybe the last little thing we want to bring before your minds. I want us to think about, real quick, like a butterfly. Now, what happens is the adult comes by, the beautiful butterfly, with its beautiful colors and and designs on its wings, and it comes and it lays an egg. And that egg then hatches, and after that egg hatches, you get to what they call the larva stage. And the point of the larva stage, which would be when a butterfly lays an egg, it turns into a caterpillar, the point of that larva stage is for that uh, that caterpillar, that larva, to eat, and to eat as much as it can, And finally, when it gets enough food, when it finds the right substance, it goes into the pupa stage. In the pupa stage, it is surrounded and it is sealed up in a cocoon for a period of time. And then after this period of time, this cocoon begins to bust. After what happened inside of the cocoon and the the larva that was inside of the the cocoon grows, it busts open and and the larva, what was once larva comes out, likened to the adult and looks like the adult looks like its parent. Salvation is the same way. When we're born, we're placed there and eventually one day we're going to get to the point where we're going to realize that we need the Lord. Or we're going to realize that There's something to this thing. So we begin to study. We begin to go to church. We begin to pray. We begin to pay attention. And then one day when all of that preaching, when all of that Bible reading, when all of that praying that you've done, it all just meets up just right, and there's the right amount of substance to it, God's going to come to you, and He's going to say, all right, it's time. And then you make the choice to go into Set up where God is, if you'd have it that way, and you believe on God, and what God does in that moment is just like that caterpillar is sealed up in a cocoon. He takes you and he seals you in that in that cocoon. If you and maybe we call it that way, he seals you up tight. And while you're in this cocoon, while you are sealed, you grow and you grow and you grow, but you're doing changing that you don't even realize that you're doing. And God does it once, but it happens, and it's continuing to happen to you right now, even though you don't know it. Why? Because every day that the world turns, we get closer to either death or we get closer to the return of Lord Jesus Christ. We get closer to Him calling His church out. And what happens is no matter what you think about it, no matter how you believe about it, we can agree on this, that there's going to come a day when the Lord's going to call us that are saved out. And the Bible says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then while we're with Him, He's going to give us our new body that's likened unto His. And what we've done is we've Stayed in that sealed up stage And we've worked through it And we've went through it And there's going to come a day When the things are just right When we've grown as much as we could When we've done all that we could Then we're going to come out of that cocoon What we were sealed up in We were going to come out of And praise God We're going to be fashioned And we're going to be likened And we're going to look like the adult We're going to look like The Father. Well, Grayson, we're going to have a body likened unto Christ, not likened unto God the Father. Well, they're one and the same. Had it never been the adult that had come by and had created us and put us in that place, then we wouldn't have made it all the way through but anyways that's a good place to go ahead and start landing the plane right here and we hope that you enjoyed today's episode of the level ground podcast don't forget find us on facebook find us on instagram uh and if any of you need a bible reach out to us send us an email at level pod or at levelgroundpod22 at gmail.com we hope this was a help to you today and we hope that you learned something but until next time